Maybe this is the reason he put me on this earth. Not to win the games, not to do all that other stuff. But maybe the reason he did put me on this earth is to bring this issue forward. Caitlin, you said, I'm getting so tired of this woke world. And I wanted to ask you, what did you mean by that? I meant that I'm getting really tired of this woke world. <laughs> I've been around a long time. Um, I love this, my country. I love, well, actually, England, I love it over here. But I love my country, I'm a patriot. My father, uh, a lot of things I do, I think about him. Uh, he was here in England uh, for three or four months, five months, uh, and then was in D-Day. And 364 guys in his division and 60 of them came back alive for our freedom, for our country. And I see he's buried at Arlington with all his war buddies. And um, I see us, especially in the United States, we're losing it. We're losing our freedoms. We're giving it away this generation. You know, as Ronald Reagan said, we're just one generation away from losing our freedoms. And he's absolutely right about that. And I see what's happening over the last 10 years, but especially in the last few years. Um, things have changed. Um, you have a whole new generation of people coming up that they've been taught critical race theory, they've been taught a different version of what American history is all about. Um, and uh, the left, the socialists, Marxists, whatever you want to call them, have dug their feet in for so many years. It's a minority in our country, but they're very politically connected, connected and they've worked very hard. And um, it's very upsetting uh, to see us losing our values and losing what we're all about and getting this woke stuff in there, you know, that you got to be politically correct towards this and you got to be, no, we're the, you know, we're a great country. I love my flag. I'm not getting rid of it for anything. I was the first person to ever put the flag up at the finish line at the Olympics in 1976. Why? Because I'm proud of my country. And uh, I don't want to see it going downhill. I like traditional values, you know. I like what our Constitution says and our freedoms that we were given. Um, and uh, so as I see this in business, you know, kind of the woke business, you know, we've got to be, oh, nice to everybody and change things, you know, and this and that. Uh, <clears throat> no, we, we have to be Americans. We have to live up to our Constitution. I want our freedoms. So that, that's the main thing, yeah. So I've got a few specific questions on some of those oh values my God. Okay. coming up. Are we getting deeper? Do I need more coffee yeah, for this? Yeah, you definitely okay. do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, athlete, TV personality, politician, activist, businesswoman. I mean, there's so many. You've reinvented yourself and your career so many times. How would you describe yourself? What would you describe your profession as? <laughs> How would I describe my profession? What would you put on your CV if you had to apply for a that's job? That's actually, I, I, that, that's actually, you know what, Robert? Nobody I think has ever asked me that question. Hmm. And I've been around for a long time, but I've been asked every question in the book. So how would I describe my profession? It has changed throughout the years. Um, I started off as an athlete. I was totally obsessed in that. I lived it, I breathed it, I trained six to eight hours a day, trying to become, do everything I can to become the best in the world. Uh, and in 1976, I was able to accomplish that and walked away uh, that night. So happy and satisfied that uh, I was one of the very few athletes in the world who finishes their career and I had climbed every mountain and conquered and I could just walk away. It was a great feeling. From there, I started getting into the television business. Mostly, you know, entertainment stuff, this and that, doing a lot of different things, acting roles, whatever came up, you know, uh, talk shows, you name it. Did that for years. Um, as I have progressed throughout my life, uh, doing other things, obviously, I had, a, you know, on television, I had a show with my family for many, many years. Um, which was great. I loved working with my family, but that's kind of passed on. They're still working it, but I'm, I'm out of that. Um, but I've always been very politically motivated. Uh, I always have followed politics very closely. 
And over the last five to ten years, I've really, um, I've, I've saw what has been progressing, but is now happening, especially in the states, um, with, uh, and people need to stand up um, to what's happening. Uh, I like traditional values, um, and uh, I, I felt uh, so many people are just letting it happen and have their head in the sand. Oh, it's not really. Well, it is happening. We are losing our freedoms. Um, and so I just became much more politically motivated, um, mainly because of my dad and what he did, you know, fighting in World War II, and everybody died for, his, for our freedoms. And I can see him. He's buried at Arlington, you know, looking and seeing what's happening to our country and being absolutely disgusted, you know. Why did everybody around him die? Literally. He should have died. He even sat on his deathbed, you know. He had an artillery shell land in the engine of the Jeep he was driving and didn't go off. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been very patriotic in that, and I like traditional values. So I, I got more involved in the political side of it and wanting to stand up. Um, and I've had many challenges throughout my life. I, uh, obviously being gender dysphoric is always difficult for anybody. Uh, but I just kind of did my best to live with it. What does that exactly mean being gender dysphoric? Um, for somebody that doesn't go through it, it's extremely hard to get them to understand who it is. Are you left-handed or right-handed? Depends what I'm doing. Okay, but what <laughs> would you consider yourself? Right-handed. Right-handed. Yeah. You write with your right hand? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm left-handed, you know. Uh, why are you right-handed? Why am I left-handed? No idea. Yeah, me too. It's just who you are. Um, your identity about who you are in your soul. Um, why? I don't know. Uh, I've had, you know, doctors and this, and they come up all, all their fancy stuff and this and that. But no, it's just kind of who you are. Your identity is different than what people perceive it to be. And I mean, it is in so many cases, it's, it's devastating to people's lives. It was tough on me because, I mean, I was as a little kid, you know, it's not like you all of a sudden, you know, when you're in your 30s, oh my God, you know, uh, uh, no, this is something you're born with, it's just who you are, and it's just how do you deal with that? How do I deal with my identity about who I am? Um, and every story is different, and it's real, these are real lives, real stories. I mean, the suicide rate in the trans, in the gender dysphoric community, is nine times higher than the general public. Wow. I mean, people die over this thing. They commit suicide. I've met mothers of young trans people, um, and the parents have done everything right to help their child, and they still lost them to suicide. You know, um, it's very serious stuff. It's not a joking matter like, oh, isn't that something? And my story is different than everybody else's, you know? Um, uh, but I've always been that way. I remember the night after I won the games. Um, the next day, I woke up, went into the bathroom, and didn't have a stitch of clothes on. Metal was on the counter. Put the metal on, looked in the mirror, and said, what the hell did you just do? Did I build this character up so big that I'm stuck with him the rest of my life? because there was so much more to me and my story than that. And uh, like so many people, I just, I, I, you know, fortunately the next day I got offered a job and I just, you know, stay busy, 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 stay busy, keep doing your thing for all these years, which I did. And <clears throat> had my little ways to release pressure and all that kind of stuff. But um, it wasn't until many, 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 many years uh, down the line uh, my worst years were through the 80s because I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And I basically, for about six years, stayed in my house, went out to work. I, was in, I had four kids, but uh, 
I was divorced, but I had four kids, and I, I wasn't a very good father to them. You know, I see them here and there, but not anything close to what I could have done because I was struggling with myself. I was on uh, getting therapy, you know, uh, I'm on hormones, I'm doing all these things, and thinking, I'm going to do this before I'm 40. And I got to 39 and a half and said, oh my God, I just can't do it. You know, I can't do it. And, uh, and just thought I got to get back into life. I'm, I'm just wasting my life away. Lo and behold, you know, six months later, I met Chris. We hit it off. We had kids. When we got into the family thing for the next 23 years. And raising children, which I'm very proud of. I have 10 children, 20 grandchildren. Uh, I've been very blessed. And, but then there I was after that ended, I'm back out in Malibu, sitting in a house, I'm 63, 64 years old, and dealing with the same issues I was dealing with, but you know, I looked in the mirror back at the, at the games, and even when I was a little kid, what the hell am I gonna do? And am I just gonna sit here and rot, because I've done this before, you know, rot away, or, you know, am I, am I going to deal with it? I got back into therapy, uh, and uh, eventually, at the age of 65, um, I, I talked to all my children beforehand, because they knew, all the kids knew, you know. But they just, it was the dirty little secret nobody talks about. You know? <laughs> and finally, I opened up the door and said, let's talk about it. Uh, started with my son, Brandon. He's my musician in the family, and and uh, he said to me after, he's just dead, first of all, I knew all this stuff. His mom had told him stuff and this and that. He goes, he says, you know, I've always been so proud that you're my father. He said, what you've been able to accomplish in your life. He says, I go to the airport, show him my ID, and they say, Brandon Jenner, oh, is your father Bruce? And he would go, yeah, that's my dad. Oh, we love him. He comes in here all the time. And, you know, he's so nice to everybody and this and that. And uh, he goes, but... I've never been more proud of you than I am right now. That was a tough one. And uh, went through everything, all the kids, uh, took them one at a time. I didn't want them to all gang up on me. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, so uh, uh, I finally got to the end. I am a person of faith. The last thing I had, last one I had to talk to was my pastor. Um, and, uh, because I've always thought if anybody has any challenges in their life, okay, whatever it is, things that they're dealing with in their life, and if they have any faith in their soul whatsoever, you would ask question, God, why did you do this to me? You know, you know, I'm thinking God's looking down, making little Bruce. Okay. This is how far back it goes. <laughs> God's looking down, making little Bruce. And he says, okay, well, we got this one. What are we going to do? Uh, let's uh, make a good-looking kid. You know, let's give him good licks and this and that. Let's give him good intelligence. Uh, let's make him athletic. Uh, that's always a good one. And on and I'll tell you what, with this one, let's make him really athletic. That's kind of cool. And so God's given me all these wonderful gifts in my life. And then he sit back in his little throne. And he goes, oh my God, look at all these wonderful gifts. We can't, <laughs> you know, he's gotta, everybody's gotta have something, you know? And God chuckles a little bit and goes, ooh, let's give him the soul of a female and let's see how he does. So that's pretty much been my life, you know? Um, and to be honest with you, I'm very lucky in so many ways. Uh, because when I started like in sports and I found my little thing in life, I wasn't like everybody else. I needed it more than the next person. I needed to support. I was also a dyslexic kid, so I never did very well in school. I just kind of got through it. So I didn't have a lot of confidence there. And, uh, but as I look back on my life, you know, many years later, I was blessed to have all those things. I was blessed to be dyslexic. I was blessed to be gender dysphoric. Because when my thing came along, the games, 
I outworked them. I was smarter than them. It was more important for me to win, you know, to prove myself and my, my masculinity, my, my reason for being on this earth. If I would have been just average, like an average kid, didn't have any of these issues, sports come along, I wouldn't have even needed it. I needed it. That was my thing. You know, and it, it formed my life. It created my life and who I am today. And, but I never dealt with the other side of it, you know, and I, I couldn't because I had family, I had friends. I just couldn't do it until many, many years down the line when I had raised my family, you know, they were all out, they're doing just fine. I'm back in a house all by myself thinking, am I going to rot away? So I had that conversation with my pastor. And uh, the next day, I kind of came to the conclusion that maybe this is the reason he put me on this earth. Not to win the games, not to do all that other stuff. But maybe the reason he did put me on this earth is to bring this issue forward. Um, it's a very small, small, small community, very small, but it's everywhere. Uh, being gender dysphoric, transgender, whatever you want to say, uh, anyone you want to, it doesn't have borders. It's in every country. It's part of humanity. It's just a very small portion of it. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's very, it's tough stuff. It's very critical, you know, and, um, uh, maybe I can do something, bring these issues forward save a few lives you know at first i started out more as a more of an activist and raising money and uh and i found out <laughs> as time went on it's a very tough community you know and i thought at and now at this point in my life i don't feel i'm like a trans activist i don't want to do that i'm a trans example of what you can do with your life. I want to show young kids out there that, you know what, you can go through a lot in your life and you can go through a lot in dealing with things, but you know what, you can come out the other end and you can be just fine, you know? And all of the networks, first one to get hired by Fox News to be a contributor, you know? I commend Fox News, that's really great. They have a lot of women in there. Nobody has a trans person as a, you know, as a contributor. Um, these are good things. Uh, you know, still getting out there, being visible, you know, I think we just had Pride Month and stuff. I, I don't, honestly, I don't do anything for that. Um, I have pride in myself. I'm just going to do my thing. And I want to set an example to other people that just, whatever you're going through, you can get through it. You know what? You can go on with life and life can be good, you know? And uh, so, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. I don't know if I really answered your question because I don't know if there's really a good answer to your question. Like, what is it, gender dysphoric? But that's my life. That's mm. my story. And that's what, where I'm at. And I'm, at this point in my life, very happy. I mean, you do set one set of problems and circumstances uh, that you had before. Now you, you, you put in some new ones. You know, they're new ones, but I can deal with them. Mm. I just wake up in the morning every day and be myself all day. So there's- So simple. <laughs> so simple. It's so hard to do. But Sim I, I would say 90% of the people watching right now can't be themselves all day. Mm. Yeah. So there's two questions that were for later I'd like to bring forward to now. Um, because it's not just people in the trans community or whatever label we want to give it that are having identity issues. Mm -hmm. There's of course, people in all walks of life that are struggling with their identity. Absolutely. So what guidance, advice and experience would you give to someone, trans or not, who's having a bit of an identity crisis because there's a lot of that going on right now? To be honest with you, again, I don't want to give advice. I just want to be an example, okay? Every story is different. There is not one answer, not even close. There's not one answer. You say, oh, you've got to do this and you got to do that. And you got to do that. No, you got to live your life. You have to be smart. Bottom line, most important thing, you got to be a good person, a kind person, considerate to other people. Okay. 
You have to be a person that wants to help other people, okay? Um, I think those things, being a good human being is by far the most important thing. You can deal with your problems and your issues, okay? Uh, but you can't be mean to other people. Um, you have to pick your friends wisely. Um, if those friends around you are not in support of, in support of you, uh, get rid of them, move on. Uh, find people, surround yourself with positive people, uplifting people, people who want to see you do well, you know? So important. In my speeches, I, uh, I, I, I closed my speeches off years ago. I don't do too many speeches now, but I would always close it off with this. You know, you give them this hour presentation of this and that, and I give you my final, my final, my four words uh, to success. Are you ready? Gamble. Cheat lie and steal. Audience all starts laughing. Let me explain. Gamble. Gamble your best shot in life. Dare to take risks. Life has to be a great adventure or it's nothing. Cheat. Cheat those who would have you be less than you are. Surround yourself with positive people, uplifting people, people who want to see you do well. Turn around and help them, and you're truly a champion. Lie. Lie in the arms of those that you love. Hey, when it comes right down to it, that's all we've got is one another. Never take the love that you give or the love that you receive for granted. And steal. Steal every moment of happiness. Live every day as if it was your last, because we never know when that day is going to come. Gamble, cheat, lie, and steal. And, and I think people, when they look at it like that, they... I mean, that kind of sums everything up about the people surrounding you, loving yourself. Uh, and those are the important things, you know, because eventually, hey, we're all, I'm 72 years old. I don't have that many more days left, you know, so uh, I'm going to enjoy them. And I'm going to do things that I would like to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I'm here in the UK. I started a woman's all women's race uh, series that's out there, the W Series. I want to support women in racing. Kind of put your money where your mouth is and let's have a team. So, uh, yeah. Well, I want, that's one of the things I want to talk about, Jenna Racing. Yes. Because it's very exciting yeah. um, and very disruptive. Yeah. And the title of this um, show is called Disruptors. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, do you just want to tell us a bit about that business, why you're so keen on it, why you're pushing it? Is it purely a business for you, or is there a deeper message behind it? Everything is business. No. <laughs> no. Everything surrounds our own business. Uh, I like getting involved, and uh, there's always like new adventures out there. Uh, I've been involved in auto racing since 1978. I had my first race all through the 80s. I was a factory driver for Ford Motor Company. You know, won a lot of big races, see brings this and that. Um, and had a lot of fun doing it. And now I just kind of play around with it. My son races. I got a couple of off-road vehicles. We do some, you know, go out in the desert in Southern California, have a three or 500-mile race. It's a fun weekend with your sons. Um, and then this opportunity came. And it came about nine months ago. And at the time, uh, we were having this issue, and I'm sure you've had it over here too, with trans people in athletics. Uh, we had this uh, trans girl, Leah Thomas, uh, who uh, was at the University of Pennsylvania, a swimmer. Um, and she, a few years earlier, was on the men's team and was on hormones, played by the rules. Nothing wrong with her. She played by the rules. I'm saying the rules are wrong because I wanted to protect women in sports. So I was very vocal about it. Um, you know, it took a lot of flack from the trans community. Oh my God, how can you say that? But <laughs> I mean, it's just common. I'm a common sense person. It's common sense. She's like six four. You know, I mean, she's out swimming these girls. She's not even trying, and she's beating them by a lap. Okay, there's a difference between men and women when it comes to sports. 
That's why we have men's track and field and we have women's track and field, you know. And so I was on the support of protecting women in sports because I don't, you know, I don't want the finals, you know, to be four trans women and, you know, a couple of cis girls, you know. Um, that would be terrible. The women have worked so hard in the United States through Title IX to raise money, to do all these things for equality, and it's like we're giving it away all of a sudden. So I was on the side of, of, of protecting women's sports. Then this issue, this came, came up about racing, and I thought, oh, this is great. I love racing. Uh, there is no all-women's race car series in the world except the W Series, where a young woman who wants to get into, uh, who loves cars and wants to get into it, it is, it is a tough road for guys, okay, let alone women, okay, um, to climb up the ladder to get to, you know, IndyCar racing or NASCAR or Formula One or any of those things. It's almost an impossible road. And, but this gives young women an opportunity uh, to get into karting, to learn the sport, work their way up into the W Series. And I really want the W Series for, for women to be able to hone their skills so they can move up into other, be more prepared to move up into other racing series. Okay, obviously that's gonna be for men and you know they're gonna run against. Eventually that's just going to happen. But uh, at least they have a place to go. So uh, uh, Sophia, who's works uh, my manager and puts everything together, kind of made her the CEO of the company to put this whole thing together. I love the way you did that. I just, <laughs> okay, I'll do the marketing. I'll have the fun stuff. She's so, and she's obviously all the time, she's brilliant in doing that. And so we started Generation. Um, uh, two drivers, uh, I got this one Brit. Oh my God, yes. And boy, is she good. <laughs> um, that was part of the negotiations to make sure I got Jamie Chadwick. Mm. And... Uh, We've had three races so far, and Jamie's won all three. Wow. I love this girl. <laughs> British Grand Prix this weekend. Um, and then the second driver is a really interesting story. The second driver, I wanted to have somebody, what I feel is an up-and-comer, young, 17 years old, very interesting story. Her name is Chloe Chambers, uh, born in China. And if you're female, born in China, not a good deal. So she was immediately put up for adoption. And at nine months of age, she was adopted by a family here in the States. Um, and she came here. Uh, father was into cars, uh, into a little racing. She was eight years old, got into kart racing, and did extraordinarily well in carts. And we, she came, we have basically open qualifying for the W Series. Anybody, any woman can show up. We have two, one in Phoenix, another one in Barcelona, where we have a bunch of cars there. Uh, jump in, see what you can do. And uh, she did absolutely great. She was great. So she's my second driver. And, uh, you know, she's doing good so far. Uh, it's tough because she's at all new tracks every weekend she's never been to before. She's on a big stage. But uh, she'll get it, you know. She's a tough little hombre. So uh, anyway, so I've got the two drivers, and uh, uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it, you know. And they run the W Series runs with Formula One. Uh, Formula One has been very has been tremendous with the series, giving it that platform uh, because we run in front of really great crowds. Uh, you know, you're. You know, this weekend, Silverstone on Saturday before qualifying is the W race, you know. Doesn't get much better than that. Wow. Yeah. So out of all the business <laughs> ventures you've done in your career, which have you enjoyed the most, which has been the most successful for you? If, if There's every... one answer and one answer alone. Oh, great. Parenting. Wow. The game's fun. Great accomplishment. You know, business, fun, this and that. But what you're judged on as a person, as a human being, is uh, parenting. Uh, what's the next generation going to be like, especially for my family? Um, uh, with 10 children, uh, six of them genetic, four step. Uh, at this point in my life, I couldn't be more proud of all of my children. Uh, they're all good kids. I haven't at least that I know of, gotten any, 
Major trouble. <laughs> it's a lot of issues, but major trouble, no. Um, they've all been uh, highly motivated in their lives. Uh, Business-wise, family-wise, and um, I, don't, I don't think I can be more proud of it. Every one of them. There's not one out of ten that is like struggling right now. Um, they all have their own lives. Now it's tough for a parent, you know. They get their own lives, and you know, you raise all these kids. I primarily, the six of them, which were uh, the last 23 years. You know, I met like Kimberly when she was uh, nine, I think, and then Courtney was 10, Chloe was five, Robert was two. So I pretty much grew up with all of those kids, and, and plus my own. And uh, uh, I, there's not one of them out there that uh, I couldn't be more proud of, you know? And uh, I think that's what you judge your life on. You know, what do you do for the next generation? And your family is by far the most important thing. And, uh, you know, but now they all have their own lives. You know, when you go, oh, my God, I don't see them every day, you know, or a week, or we, we talk here, we talk there, find out what's going on. But you raise them to have their own lives, you know. So sometimes it gets a little lonely as you get older and, you know, you're an empty nester that you don't see them every day. But that's the way life is. They have their own lives, and I'm very proud of I've got 20 grandchildren. Wow. Going for 30. <laughs> yeah, I figure 10 kids, you know, they average three apiece. So you've got bets on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one might have four, the other one might have, you know, two. That, it works out. So mm. we technically could get, yeah. We just, the last one came like three months ago. A uh, little Goldie Jenner. Wow. To my oldest son, Bert who has two boys, and thank God they got a girl. Yes. <laughs> so uh, mommy was very happy. We have a little girl, a little Goldie Jenner. Yeah. Here's an interesting paradox for you. Okay. We've just talked about all the kids and grandkids and how happy you are with um, they're finding their way in the world. Then on the other side of it, you know, your dad and what he fought for and these values that you think are under threat and our very freedoms are under threat. So do you worry for our grandchildren? And what are these values we need to go back to? I absolutely worry, not just for my grandchildren. I worry for my children. My youngest is 24 to 43. Um, I see things happening to the economy, to our country, to our freedoms that are changing things so fast. I, I worry about their future. You know, I'm 72. I'm not going to be around that much longer. I'm going to go, um, which is part of life. And uh, yeah, I kind of, I'm, I'm concerned for them, even more concerned for the grandchildren. But I really, honestly, I won't be around for that, to see that. But I will be around to see my kids. And um, I, I want them to have the same life that I had, you know, the freedoms to do things, to speak your mind, um, uh, and we're, we're slowly losing that. So, yeah, I, I'm concerned for that. What are we specifically losing? What's going wrong with the economy specifically? You know, what's going wrong with uh, the world? More government, more government, more government, more government taking over your life. California, I ran for governor. Why? Because I wanted to stand up. I hated what was going on. California is nothing but an absolute mess. Okay? It is... One big scam from top to bottom. Wow. I could give you every statistic out there. Um, and to see how California has gone downhill so bad. I mean, I moved to California in 1973. And I remember the sign said, Welcome to California, the golden state. Well, California is not golden anymore. It is not even, it's not the bronze. It didn't even metal. Okay? Yeah. Um, the taxes so ridiculously high, and for what you get for your taxes is nothing, you know. Um, politicians who've been in for years, public sector unions running the whole show, kick back money. You give you money, they're going to kick it back and give it to your campaign to keep you in power. Um, crime is just going through the roof. Um, I had a murder right down the street in Malibu. Wow. Yeah, homeless guy took a bat to a security guy right in the back of the head. 
You know, that's literally right down the street from Starbucks where I go to get breakfast, you know, go to down there to get my coffee in the morning. Um, when I was in San Francisco during the campaign, I'm standing there in San Francisco. Now, San Francisco, I remember in the old days when I moved there in 73, I used to sometimes, uh, I would go up to San Francisco. It was absolutely a gorgeous city. Loved it. Loved it. It was beautiful. And uh, today, I would never go to San Francisco. So during... Now, uh, the campaign, I went to San Francisco a couple of, for a couple of days to just um, uh, kind of see what's going on. And I'm standing there on a main street, downtown San Francisco. On the other side of the street, there's a big wall. There's probably at least 40 people sitting there, leaning up against the wall. Half of them are out cold. Another one's shooting up heroin right on the street or whatever they're taking right on the street. You see over here, there's a drug deal going down. You literally see the guy passing this for cash, you know? Cops around, nobody does anything, you know? The city is destroyed. They've allowed, fortunately, the guy's out of there. Um, the DA uh, there, Bodine, who was just recalled, thank God, we're heading the right direction, um, uh, he made, you know, stealing legal as long as you don't take more than like $950 worth of stuff. You won't even be. So looting is all over the place, you know, these flash mobs. The whole country or the whole state is just going downhill. Same thing in Los Angeles, you know, and you see this and what a shame, you know. And yeah, I worry for my kids growing up in that. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Yeah, there's all this defund the police. There's just, we're losing the country, you mm. know? And uh, yeah, I get concerned for my kids. Yeah. And to try to start a business in California, it's almost impossible. So many regulations. Um, I had a friend who started a, uh, a sunscreen company and eventually it had to fold just because of the regulations. You know, um, you can't do business there. Uh, at the time I was running for governor, it was 18,000 companies had left California. I bet you now it's well, now that the Democrats stayed in, it's well over 20,000 companies have left California. Uh, people are leaving California by the droves that we lost a congressional seat because less people are living there. You know, this is not the world that I want my children to grow up in. You know, I want them the freedoms to do business to live their lives, not be told by government. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You get it? I get it because I, I shout about it on my Facebook lives every single day. Taxes are almost where they were in the 70s. I've been an entrepreneur for 16 years. Yeah. Business rates are still really high. Corp tax has gone up a huge amount. They put national insurance up and it's just more and more and more. And then you look at their budget and where they're spending money on wars and lockdowns and things like that. And like you said, more and more people in government and then they all sit down, all in lockdown and it's like, oh, this is good. We don't have to work for a while. And yeah, that the public sector is draining and, and it's the entrepreneurs and the producers and the creators who will fire up the economy again. But like in our country, it's like the government looked down on those. Oh. But none of the politicians have ever created anything or built anything. Nothing. Yeah. It's the same problem we have there. Um, we're just a bigger company, a country, and a bigger economy, you know. But the same thing's happening there. Um, Joe Biden has been a disaster. I mean, disaster for our country to see what's happening and how quickly, in just not even two years, he's been in there. How are we've lost our country, you know, in two years? I keep looking for a, I keep looking for a tipping point. You know, I'm sitting there mm. and I'm watching our country just go to hell. And when are the people going to wake up and say, this sucks? Look at inflation at eight, eight and a half percent or whatever it is. That's what they tell you. Yeah, then that's, that's, <laughs> thank you. And that's what they tell you. Um, all you have to do is go to the, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm a Republican, conservative Republican and everything. And Trump, obviously I supported him while he was in there. And if he were to run, I would support him again. But- Do you think he'll run again? Uh, I don't know. I would not be surprised either way. 
um, uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised either way. If he did, uh, certainly I would vote for him. Um, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. And, and fortunately, we have some other people in the background that I think are really good mm. that could handle it. But the only reason I would be happy that he ran, first of all, his track record, um, even though he went through four years of being investigated, investigated, and he's still being investigated, in the times, you know, spent half his time like dealing with legal issues, and then the other half of the time he was fixing the country. You know, gas prices were two dollars and you know thirty nine cents, I think, a gallon. In in Malibu right now, it's over seven dollars a gallon. Wow. Yeah, yeah. $7 a gallon. I mean, the list goes on and on and mm. on. You know, inflation, this and that, and the way the country's been running. And and he would have a score to sell, uh, to settle, and he would come in and just really kick some butt, and I think that's what we need. But mm. that's on um, politics on that. But and so I'm looking for this turning point, and I'm starting to see it. Even Democrats, independents, and everything are just seeing how when the Democrats are involved, it just everything just goes to hell. You know, and you lose more of your freedoms and on and on and on. And people are starting to realize that. Even the mainstream media, which is very left in our country, um, uh, they're even starting to change their mind. They, they can't defend this administration. Nobody can defend him. And uh, uh, I see signs like Elon Musk coming in. Uh, and trying to buy Twitter. Hopefully he gets that deal done. Uh, I think that would be a great step in the right direction. Uh, social media has been a part of this collapse of our country. And if you can scare the hell out of him and see what Elon Musk does, and he's a smarter, I mean, I'm a big fan of his, everything he's done. I've met him. I don't know him, but I've met him, been mm. to his office and uh, because I'm into aviation, and they were making the rockets in, in in L.A., and I thought, this is so cool. And called up his secretary and set up a meeting, went in with a bunch of my sons, and he actually personally gave us uh, a tour of oh, wow. SpaceX and the whole rocket business and this and that. It was great. I had a great day. Mm. And he had a Tesla where we could test drive though I were there. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But he's a really, I like him. He's, he's a good common sense guy. And if he can pull this thing off and if he can do a good job, that's like the first little thing we need. How know. do you think he'll change Twitter and social media? Um, right now, Twitter and all of social media are just a, a propaganda arm for the Democratic Party and for the socialist agenda. They think they can survive better if, you know, if they buddy up with government, okay, instead of being independent. And so you see that's done. I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg with, with uh, Facebook spent hundreds of millions of dollars on the last election, you know, of his own money uh, to influence the election, to get Trump out of there. Uh, stuff like that. Um, I think... If he can come in and we know that we have a platform that, uh, you know, Trump started his own with so, uh, Truth Social. Uh, and uh, if he can, if you look and see what's happening at Twitter and it's just, it, they've lost control of it. You know, they lost, to be honest with you, not, I don't think the CEOs even had control of it anymore. It was all the woke employees you know, um, that were playing their game. You know, these are kids that were taught in college and Harvard. I mean, you look and see uh, Facebooks, you know, and Twitter and stuff in the Bay Area and San Jose and Tech City, you know. It's all these woke kids, young ones, you know, they, they've been through the process. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna shut those people down, you know. I joined Fox News and immediately was shadow banned on Twitter. That day, yeah, yeah, Ouch. where I used to get, uh, you know, sometimes millions of hits on stuff I would say. I mean, I'm, I was lucky to get 50,000. They take your content and they hide it out there so you can't find it, you know, mm. and technically you're not 
you know, canceled, mm. but they just can't find you anymore. Actually, on Twitter, I have a Guinness Book of World Records. For? I have a plaque on Twitter for <laughs> 2015. Uh, I was not on social media, even though all my kids were on social media. I didn't do anything. I didn't care. Okay. But I knew what I was going through, social media and a platform there is going to be very important. Um, so in 2015, when I came out, when the Vanity Fair cover came out, uh, I had my PR people all sitting there. I had a Twitter account, I had Instagram, I had all these accounts all ready to go. And so the second the cover shot on Vanity Fair came out, they Boom. pushed the button and everything opened up. And about an hour later, uh, well, my kids started calling me, oh my God, it's out. And But then Kimberly called and the head of Twitter who was ever at the time called Kimberly and says, oh my God, you can't believe what's going on here. Um, and uh, uh, I said, well, maybe you should post something. We'll keep it going. It'd be kind of fun to see how fast we can get up here. But uh, yeah, I, I was the, the fastest to one million followers. Um, and I beat out Barack Obama. Uh, he did like 5.6 hours to a million. Uh, 4.2 hours. Wow. From zero to a million. Yeah. So I use Instagram. It's a business. Mm. You know, it's part of the business. And I use it to communicate it. I use it to have some fun <laughs> uh, with trouble. people. Oh, yeah, get a little trouble, you know, do that sort of stuff. But yeah, then all of a sudden, uh, yeah, I was, you know, all of a shadow banded. And immediately, I was working for Fox mm. at the time, so I immediately, I go to Fox, look at they just shadow banned me. But that's how social media kind of tries to control the conversation. My hope for Twitter is that, you know, Elon Musk is really into a free marketplace. Mm. And I think he's a smart enough guy, number one. Number two, not just smart himself, he is extraordinarily good at hiring the right people for the right job. You know, um, and I think that's even going to be more important, mm. you know, that he's going to put the right people in place to keep it a, a free speech platform, uh, not cancel people, not shadow ban people, leave it as an open. Now, obviously, even with free speech, there has to be some kind of control on that, you know, mm. and I think, but he's smart enough, he can do that. Mm. But right now he's just looking at what's it worth. Yeah. You know, he's finding so much junk. Uh, that's out there, you know, mm. I mean, just like Joe Biden, I, he had like 40 million followers and they found out 20 million of them were phony. Wow. So what's he buying? Yeah. Yeah. So he's trying to figure out what the value of Twitter is. And yeah, there's a lot of phony accounts and this and that. Mm. So when they say how many followers they have, it's not really that. Mm. I mean, if you're going to buy 100 apples and 20 of the apples are rotten or gone. <laughs> but you're you told 5% of them are rotten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's thinking those big numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you got to figure out the value. So I think hopefully he will, he will get it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this disruption. I didn't see this coming because I've experienced some shadow banning, some cancelling on YouTube, etc. Um, and I thought maybe Getter or Rumble or one of these smaller disruptive channels uh -huh. didn't see someone like Elon Musk coming on buying a big one. So, no. um, yeah, he wants an open source algorithm Nobody as well. Nobody saw it. No, I didn't see it. No. Yeah. That's what's great about him. He does things that you can't guess. And he's got I the loved, backbone. The backbone. I loved, yeah. Yeah. He did a TED Talk. I don't know if you saw it. No. Um, just when it first came out, the first one he did interview like maybe he had a plan and it was an interview on ted talk and i love so the guy you know was asking questions about buying it and this and that and he goes to elon he goes you know when he talks so slowly and thinking well you know and so he asked him well if this doesn't work out do you have a backup plan you know and he sits back, he's, there's an audience, he sits back in his chair and he kind of thinks for a second. And, you know, he's going like this and he looks at the guy and he goes, yes, I do. 
That was it. <laughs> the whole audience just cracked up. Yep, I, I do. That was it. <laughs> it was just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And we going, I wonder what it is, but he's got a backup plan, yeah. you know? Yeah, he's a smart guy. Mm. Smart guy. He's mm. no doubt. And he has smart people around him. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. But that's when I was talking about the tipping points. That's mm -hmm. just part of the tipping points. But you're also seeing people, especially in our country, because I mean, I don't know it here, uh, obviously, as well. I just know I have a race this weekend. But, um, and my little, my little Brit, we're hoping for a num win number four. But anyway, I mean, uh, in our country, I see the liberal media just realizing, hey, we just can't cheer for this guy any longer. I see Democrats coming over and say, this is just horrible. When they, they go to get gas inflation, everything is costing more. You know, the pump, I mean, Joe Biden personally destroyed the oil industry in our country. Personally, yeah. Mm. The first day one, destroyed it, you know. Um, and, uh, and then blames everybody else. And, and people are smart, and they're all figuring it out. Mm. So uh, it'll be interesting in November. We have our midterms. Uh, what happens there? Uh, hopefully, we can take the House and the Senate back and then just stop everything he's been doing up to this point um, and, uh, you know, move on. Mm. Try to get a, a good candidate in 24 and fix it. <laughs> Americans are very resilient. You know, mm. we've been doing this a long time. Yeah. And yeah, we run into hard times and this and that. I remember the 70s, you know, when gas lines and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I remember all that. Mm. Inflation was going through the roof. And we'd had enough of that. Got another guy in there and fixed it. Mm. Yeah. Interesting times ahead. Yeah, interesting times ahead. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got um, a couple of quick fire rounds. Oh, Are you up for it? Look, you can let me, get, let have, me have a little, yeah, have a little, little, um, little more coffee. Have a for pastry. This. Okay, yeah. Yeah, let me give you a bit of time because you're wearing as much mm. of that pastry as you're mm. eating. <laughs> yeah, the coffee and a pastry. Yeah, and I'll be ready to go. Uh, so we've got. So mm. these are designed to be short answers. You can take your time, but these are designed. I, can, I can't to be do short. a short answer. <laughs> That's fine by us. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a topical round, a questions from the fans round, and a quick fire round. Okay. Okay. Caitlin, does the gender pay gap really exist? Does the one? The gender pay gap. The disparity between men and women's pay. No, I think it's out there, obviously. In certain places, it's probably more prevalent than others. But if there's any time in history that women have the opportunity um, to grow in business, I think it's out there. Um, I mean, <laughs> In my family, I mean, my kids who basically started out with nothing and did it all on their own, you know, I got two billionaires for kids. I mean, women, you know, they built their businesses. So I think the opportunities are out there. But in the words of Kim Kardashian just a couple of weeks ago, she goes, this is how you do it. You get up in the morning and you go to work. Okay, and you work hard all day long and you surround yourself with people that are going to work hard all day long. And the way you get become successful is you go to work and you work. And I'm a firm believer in that, that if you if the opportunities are out there um, and if you're willing to work and be smart, know how to deal with people, work your way up the ladder, whether you're male or female, you can make it in this world right mm. now. And I, honestly, I think the opportunities for women uh, in business is very high right now, you know? Is it, is it Kylie Jenner and Kim, Kim Kardashian that became billionaires? Uh, they're what now? Are they the two billionaire children of yours? Uh, yeah, Kylie was the first. She was at 21. She was on the cover of Forbes. How did you feel about them becoming billionaires? Uh, thinking about a loan or not? No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. no, I was very proud of them. I mean, Kylie started her company. She was 18 years old. Now, granted, she was not the normal child. She'd been on the show. All the money that she had made, she started on the show, I think, when she was nine. And here she is now 18. Um, and all the money was put into a trust. So when she was 18, she had some capital. And Kendall, the same way, she had some capital. 
And, you know, this is not the normal kid, 18-year-old, but she always loved makeup. And she goes, I'm going to start a makeup company. Go for it, girl. You know? And her mother, obviously, a good businesswoman, helped her. And uh, the two of them, when she turned 18, uh, started Kylie Cosmetics uh, with her lip kits. And they went absolutely through the roof. So by the time she was 21, she had a market cap on her company of over a billion dollars. So, um, yeah. And then Kim the same way. Kim's always been very entrepreneurial and uh, always starting companies and businesses. Uh, but she's always had, you know, um, she, they're not the normal. She's had revenue coming in through the show and this and that, but she's invested it. Kim Kardashian is one of the most amazing women, human beings out there. Over the last couple of years, you know, she has uh, built uh, her KKW at the time. That's kind of changing some right now. But she's built these companies. Uh, she took skims. You know, she's been into, you know, um, uh, the uh, shapewear business uh, and started skims. And uh, at last look, it had like a market cap of 3.4 billion, you know, and wow. she started it. She did that. Uh, she had four kids. Um, and raising four kids, uh, unfortunately went through a divorce, but that, and which is tough, but she still went through that and doing fine, by the way. <laughs> and um, uh, in the meantime, uh, she wanted to be a lawyer. Her father was a lawyer and she's always said as a little kid, I want to be a lawyer. And um, instead of going to college in California, you can actually get your law degree, but you could do it like through private tutoring. Um, and uh, so she would, for the last couple of years during the week have all the, the couple of people come over and she sits down for five hours and gets tutored on the law world. And the first test is the toughest. She missed it on the first one, got it eventually. Um, because it's, uh, it separates kind of the men from the boys in so many ways <laughs> because it's uh, on a, uh, a curve and only 15% pass that take the test. So she had to be in the top 15% and she got it. She missed the first coup with got it. And so the next ones are easier. So here she is getting her law degree. You know, she starts and builds a $3.4 billion company. She's raising kids, you know, uh, amazing human being. And when she gets her law degree, which she will, she gets her law degree. She wants her up her, her own firm. She's into um, uh, prison uh, uh, reform. And uh, she wants to hire, because a lot of these guys who go into prison, they actually, while they're in there, they study law and eventually go out and get their law degree. And uh, she wants to hire those people uh, to work on, you know, criminal justice reform. So good for her. I mean, that is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, it is absolutely <laughs> amazing. And all the other kids are doing good. So, yeah, there's not one kid that's not doing well. Wow. Yeah. We cannot get our head around this in the UK, so I'd love your thoughts okay. as, a, as an American. What is going on with the state of the US gun laws right now? Uh, the state of the what? The US gun laws. What are your thoughts on okay. what they should be? I know, your gun laws are very different over Yes. There. Yeah, like you can't have one. No. Uh, uh, the Second Amendment is, I am in 100% support of the Second Amendment. Okay, I am a gun owner. Uh, for protection, I keep in my home. Um, and I think that's one of the great strengths of our country. Okay. Um, to be honest with you, going all the way back to Japan, um, you know, Pearl Harbor, you know, why one of the main reasons they didn't come to the United States because they know they had an armed citizenry and they didn't think they could beat that. Um, uh, and so I am, I'm 100% in favor of the Second Amendment. Uh, there is mental issues uh, with a lot of people. I am all in favor of keeping guns out of the hands of mentally disturbed people. Uh, it's, we've had some terrible disasters, which are absolutely horrible. Um, and uh, people need to protect themselves, but as far as getting rid of our fundamental right in our 
Constitution um, on guns, I am not in favor of that. Uh, I, I am a gun owner, and I, I've even thought about getting a concealed carry permit. I mean, it's it's that's how bad it has gotten in some of these cities that you go to. Um, and I want to protect myself and my family. And a lot of people do. A lot of people use guns to protect themselves. You know, I was just on the news the other day. This guy who's Somebody started breaking into his house. The guy had a gun and came after him. And this guy had a gun and boom, took care of him. And he um, wasn't criminally prosecuted or anything. It was within his constitutional right to protect himself. Um, I, I'd much rather have the bad guy die in a situation like that than the good guy. Mm. Is there a way to protect all these innocent kids that get shot in schools? Do you think there's something that could change? Maybe a meet in the middle? Speaking from someone outside of America. Um, Yes, I am all in favor of really good background checks on people. Uh, I don't want to make it uh, that easy to get a gun, especially young people get a gun. Um, but if they are mentally disturbed, they're going to find a gun. There are hundreds of millions of guns in our country. They're going to get it legally or illegally, mm -hmm. you know, and most of the bad guys get it illegally anyway. You know, they go under the table and the black market and, you know, get what they get what they want. So the guns are going to be the guns are going to be out there. There's not much you can do about that. But it is a mental health issue. And I'm all in favor of especially schools. To be honest with you, Sandy Hook, I don't know if you remember that one a long time ago, 20 kids were were gunned down at Sandy Hook. And that's my hometown. I lived in Sandy Hook when I was in high school. I went to Newtown High School. It was extraordinarily close and horrible. But again, that was a mental issue. I mean, this kid was, you know, and it wasn't even his gun. He went and killed his mother with her own gun and then took the gun and went to school. Uh, we need to do a better job of that. We do a better job of protecting our schools. Um, obviously, that's a target. It has happened. It doesn't happen very often, but it is a target. And we need to do a better job of uh, protecting our students and stuff. You know, if we can protect the President of the United States and all this other stuff, uh, we can do a better job protecting our children. Thank you. What are your views on the U.S. Supreme Court overruling the right for abortion? Me personally, um, uh, I have always been um, in favor of a woman's right to choose. Okay. Um, that's my basic. I think uh, I am not for late-term abortions. I'm not. I mean, I firmly believe that a woman needs to make up her mind as quickly as possible. Uh, I don't want to make abortion like a form of birth control. And I think in some cases, that is the case. Um, I have no problem with Roe versus Wade uh, Moving on uh, is, is a state's rights. Uh, this is about state rights. Basically, it's not that they're banning abortions, okay? They're just making it the state issue, which it originally was. Um, and each state who has the right to do it, they will decide uh, how they want to treat abortion. But me personally, I'm just not for late-term abortions. Uh, I am in favor of a woman's right to choose, but we have to do it early um, and as least often as possible. Could we do a closing question just to sort of tie it up? A quick fun one and then a final close. We're already over. Okay, okay. just a yeah. quick one. Yeah. So Last one. A fun one and a close one. Oh, good. Because Thank one God might, you got a fun one. one my, <laughs> you're doing all this heavy stuff now. <laughs> one, one last question. One question. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Right. I'll do the fun one then. All right. Do the fun one. All right. Do you think you're a better looking man or a better looking woman? I thought I was ugly on both sides. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Um, no, I mean, I was, I guess people consider me a good looking guy. I didn't like myself that way anyway. Um, in the looks department, um, that was one thing that really was very difficult uh, growing up when you're trans. Can I even pass? You know, I mean. Um, and uh, I'm too tall. My voice sucks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can go through voice surgeries, you do all this stuff. And, but um, 
I, didn't, I, I just, at a point, I said, okay, I'm tall. Actually, I was always 6'2". Last time I took a physical, 6'1". I went down an inch. I'm thinking, this is great. I can go inch higher on the heel. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm tall. My voice is not that good. You know, I'm older now. Um, uh, I do an okay job. You know, on the female side. I mean, if you go into a really great, you know, photographer and do this, you can be really proud of it. I mean, it looks good. I mean, I was extraordinarily proud of the cover of, of Vanity Fair, um, mainly because I had put up with so much crap throughout my life, you know, and sneaking around. If you read my book, Secrets of My Life, I tell the whole story. Mm. But, um, yeah, I was uh, so happy. This was like a big mm, up yours. Here I am, looking great. Let's move on. Um, but uh, no, mostly it's not that I can't. Uh, I just want to be myself, and this is myself. This is me. I'm very happy this way. Um, I'm somewhat passable, but everybody knows me as being trans. So it's not like I'm trying to hide. Where a lot of women. A lot of trans girls who do an extraordinary, you know, when they transition, they maybe go at a very young age, and you would never know. Uh, transitioning female to male, about 49% go that direction, 51% go male to female. You never hear about the other ones, right. you know, the female to male. Why? Because they blend in so quickly mm -hmm. and so easily that they, they, you don't even know they're there. And so uh, I can't blend in. I had to do it publicly. <laughs> so... I'm, I'm happy, you know, I go down the street, people all, you know, I come over here, people all say hi and this and that. People are nice. Caitlin, well, thank you so much for stopping by and being on Disruptors. A pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Till the next time.